Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 14th of May, 2015, and this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and I'm not joined by Dave Davies again. Dave is uh, somewhere between Vancouver and Victoria, British Columbia, on a ferry boat, on his way to go see you too. We do, however, have Christine Schackinger. She's joining us again. Christine, thank you so much for jumping into the hot seat. Thank you for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. Well, you may or you may not appreciate it because <laughs> uh, I got to start with one of those 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 stories that will just hurt your brain and make your heart sink into your stomach. <laughs> oh, it must be a U.S. story. <laughs> well, I'm the the survey was done in the U.S. I don't know if it's if this is. I'm pretty sure you might find similar numbers, uh, say, in Canada and the U.K. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, or wherever, but, and I mean, like, this, this is not from The Onion, I swear to goodness, it's not <laughs> The Onion, this is from CNET, I, actually, I, I trust CNET to actually research the story, apparently, <laughs> in a uh, survey of 1,006 nationally representative American adults, age 18 or older, this 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 survey discovered that 51% of Americans believe that storms affect cloud computing. Aww. I mean, you don't even know what to say back to that, do you? What do you, what do you say? I, I don't, because on one hand, I'm kind of like, well, I get that they don't really know what cloud computing means, right? So, you know, I feel kind of bad laughing, <laughs> but at the well, same time... <laughs> I can understand a little bit of confusion around the cloud part, but computing. I mean, there's there is electricity in clouds. I mean, like uh, Benjamin Franklin proved that, right? <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just the idea of: Do you think your data goes to an actual cloud, and that thunderstorms cause a problem? I don't know. <laughs> well, indeed, I mean that might explain why, like uh, our audit reports lately, look like they've been printed in Comic Sans. Like you know, there's a big rainstorm in our cloud, and our data got all messed up. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, this is the same country where 30% of Republicans think that the government is going to invade Texas. So. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Now, again, the, the term cloud computing can be confusing. You know, like, I don't even know why. I mean, it's one of those things. There's a lot of terms in computing that can be quite confusing. And, you know, People just come up with stuff to describe a click, a hit, a visit. We just make up these, some techie makes up these words and he or she is trying to explain something to a non-techie. And I can just imagine like somebody going, well, it's, you know, like we take our data and we just put it out there and it goes like, you know, into um, well, the, the clouds, basically. And that caught on. That's yeah. how this happens, Christine. It is how it happens. <laughs> But it is kind of funny. 
Anyway, I can, I, 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 I'm stunned by it. I can see a little bit of confusion, but there's two words in this phrase here, cloud and computing. Um, and that's where my heart starts to break. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, the idea that, you know, when your data leaves your computer, <laughs> it goes through cloud. Although in the same study, 90 for, 95% um, in a national survey claim they never used cloud computing. Um, but so they don't really know what it is. I mean, Facebook, online banking, shopping, storing photos, music, you know, Spotify, all those yeah. things. Um, they don't have any idea that it actually is cloud computing. So that could be part of the confusion. <laughs> You know, we're laughing at we're making we're making fun of the of this, but this is actually I, I I sort of think like you know knowing how the internet works is a mark of literacy in uh, in the modern age. Sure, I, but I think for a lot of people, uh, unlike us here in the industry, it's sort of like when I was growing up and the television magically showed television shows. If you really think about the technology behind it, it's pretty amazing. Well, actually, I still have no idea how that works. Exactly. <laughs> to be honest, we take for granted that there's a picture on our TV. We didn't really think about how it got there. So, if you're not in the industry, I can understand you may not really get that the folder that you're saving things to actually resides on this massive cloud system that a company owns, as opposed to, you know. But the fact that it's in a cloud—that's the part I have the hard time with. <laughs> that defies logic and explanation. <laughs> Indeed, it does. Understand for coming through. Better check my data. <laughs> okay, another uh, another one of those weird terms, those weird techie terms. Um, and I, I guess this one isn't isn't so weird. I, I can see where this one came from. But um, VentureBeat had a, had an article out today. Google has a secret bench program that keeps execs at the company even when they're not doing anything. Yeah. A secret bench program. So, you know, like if um, you're, say you were the head of something uh, really important, like, uh, say, the Google Plus system, and then suddenly you're not, but they don't want to lose you, they put you on the bench until they, until either you or they figure out what you're going to be doing next. Yeah, exactly. And in, in, a, in a similar but kind of different way, um, have you ever seen the show Silicon Valley? You know what? I haven't seen that yet, but I think that has something to do with where I live. <laughs> they um, actually have a, this isn't for executives. It's just for engineers who like aren't assigned a new project, but they aren't actually told they're fired. So they all sit up on the roof on benches and, <laughs> and like hang out all day. <laughs> so it's not the same thing, obviously. If you're an executive at Google, you're getting to go home and just hang out and do whatever you want. But, but it is yeah, kind of a They call it the, the Google Leer. Because you get to hang on on a Lear jet if you're a Google executive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, of course, there's some theorizing that Matt Cutts is one of these um, people that's sitting on the bench right now, biding time, seeing what they want to do next. Well, well, indeed. Like, Matt, as far as the world knows it, is still a Google employee. But he's been on leave. We're almost coming up to a year now. Oh, no, it's past a year. He took, um, he started in the summer of, 2013? You're kidding. Really? I think it's been like 18 months, yeah. Wow. This is one of the I ways you know, you know you're getting older because time just goes so fast. Okay, <laughs> so he's been, he's been out of the public eye for 18 months. I um, think. The, I have the, to look. The beloved Matt Cutts. Um, 
and uh, well, maybe he's on the bench. I mean, h- how would we find that out? Is there an actual like you know bench underneath the dinosaur on the Googleplex that we can go look at or take a picture of? I think you ask Matt, and if he doesn't answer, then you know. <laughs> well, that's pretty much always been the way it's been with Matt. You ask him, and he sort of kind of answers, and you're pretty sure you know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not sure that when he when he left. Um, I'm trying to find out, but yeah, I think it's very possible because he's he definitely still is involved with the company because he on Twitter. Uh, obviously, still has the ability to, to send things internally, um, which I assume if you leave Google, you don't have the ability to do. So, um, well, then again, I mean, there are some people who leave Google, and then there's some people like Matt Cutts who may or may not who may not leave Google or may leave Google, right? Right. Um, I imagine it's on the. It's all about <laughs> the terms you leave on. Marissa Mayer, for instance, she doesn't have access to anybody else on the Google Teams anymore. Right, and with and with Matt, if they kept him on the bench, obviously because of you know what he does, he they they wouldn't want him going over to Bing and helping them with their algorithms. So you know, well, indeed, as a matter of fact, Matt can't work anywhere in the world, can he? Um, Google can't <laughs> allow him to work anywhere in the world, can they? Exactly, and non competes are really, really, really hard to to um, to enforce. So. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want Matt on the open market if I was Google. So, so there's there's a reason to keep a guy like Matt Cutts on quote unquote on the bench. But I mean, Google's got hundreds, if not thousands, of unique initiatives that are being you know started and stopped and um, rephased or repurposed or whatever. Which you know oh. would lead us to believe they must have dozens, perhaps hundreds, of engineers just sort of sitting around idle. Oh, by the yeah, possibly. By the way, I was wrong. It is July of 2014. I was saying it was July 2013. So it's only it hasn't been. It is almost a year, and I'm not that old after all. Yeah, I thought for some reason he took a year and then extended. So. No, he um he said he was going to come back in October, and then he extended past October. Yeah, yeah. So I got my dates right. You know, if anybody has a Moz tool open right now, go and check out what was happening with the algorithm. Maybe there's a clue. <laughs> I have that on bookmark. Let me check. <laughs> um, anyway, I, mean, I, I think that would be a lovely position when you're working at Google, especially like if you were on one of those teams that had um, worked so damn hard to produce a product that just got sort of deconstructed. You know, just sort of fade away. I think I think being on the bench would be a lovely place to be. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think uh, it would be nice to be paid by a company just not to work other places. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> so you kind of get to do what you want, hang out. Um, there is no confirmation that Matt's still being paid by Google, but I assume if you're on the bench that you would be. So, um, well, kind of. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> you just go hang out over there for a little while. We're not gonna. Uh, you're not gonna do anything. We're not gonna be giving any money. I don't go work for anybody else either, would you? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the brain talent, you know, idle or engaged, the brain talent at Google and and how valuable that is to other companies? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about a non-compete in the United States, you have to, like, only be going for the same job with insider knowledge, blah, 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 blah. You can still take another job at a competitor, like someone like Matt could, and uh, not have it be directly impact, like writing algorithm kind of stuff. And still make significant, you know, 
changes and there'd be nothing Google really could do about that. So, Well, I mean, Google, Google being the industry leader is used to people stealing from, copying from, uh, or of course getting away with stealing from or copying from others, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you, um, you've been around for a while. You, re- you must remember when Ask.com was on the scene, eh? <laughs> yeah, no, I remember PubCon used to have a meet the search engines, and there was like five of them or six of them. Yeah, those were the days. Now, Ask.com used to be the search engine that did stuff first, and everybody stole stuff off them, copied off them. To this day, Ask.com still pro- would have, if it was still going would produce the superior bicycle route maps that Google just recently started producing. I'm not kidding. Back in uh, 2004, Ask.com was uh, producing bicycle route maps. The point to that, the point of all that, is these guys steal from each other, right? Which is, you know, why these brains that are on the bench are so valuable. Bing today announced that they will be launching their own mobile-friendly algorithm. Coming up soon for uh, you know Bing mobile search results. Uh, you know, similar to Google, it's going to be a separate entity. You know, um, I guess same same database, um, different algorithm for mobile or for uh, 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 desktop sites. Um, and like Google, it's going to be all about user experience. So there you go. Bing is coming out with his own mobile-friendly algorithm. It will put a mobile-friendly tag beside mobile-friendly sites, much like Google does today. Um, and sites that don't do well on mobile devices will suffer. Well, and uh, but one difference with Bing over Google, and that is Google will put mobile above relevancy, except in certain cases that we don't actually know the specifics of yet, Where, which I'm thinking of big brands. But... Um, the Bing algorithm will always take relevancy over mobile. Okay. So it's a slight, it's a slight but kind of significant difference. So. Well, actually, I think that's quite a significant difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, uh, mobile's pretty good. I, you know, it's funny. I probably do more searches off my Android device than I do off my desktop now. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I wouldn't have believed that until I started counting. I spent the last week actually counting the times I was active on Google on either either device, my desktop or my uh, my mobile. And mobile results are good, but at least in the Toronto area, um, they feel incomplete. So yeah. I can, I can see the wisdom of relevancy over mobility. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I don't I don't equate on the number of searches I do on mobile, but. Uh, definitely, it's more important that something's relevant than it's just mobile friendly. We've been dealing with non-mobile friendly sites since mobile became a thing, so it's not going to significantly change someone's use patterns just to suddenly get more mobile friendly sites. I don't think. Well, you know, I I want to challenge you, Christine. Like over the next week, if 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 you can remember to, because I mean, we just do this stuff as second nature, and you don't even think about it. But you know. I mean, well, also the the fact that you're an SEO might 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 <laughs> probably change your behaviors a bit. But um, for all of your non SEO tasks, okay, count the searches you do on your desktop and then the searches you do on your mobile phone, 
and you might surprise yourself because I, I wouldn't have imagined that I did more searches on mobile than I do on desktop, but it turns out I do. Actually, I know I don't just because I don't do it for what a lot of people use it for. So, like, I have a, I have a GPS app. I don't use, like, Google Maps for getting where I'm going. Um, if I'm going to go somewhere, I generally check reviews before I go. So um, mobile search, I'm just doing a whole article on this right now. Mobile search is highly specific in intent and motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not broad like desktop. Um, it's also not eating into desktop, and tablet actually grew more than mobile did in percentages, not actual numbers. So um, so when it comes to, to, to searching for something, um, primarily it's like people do uh, banking, health info, directions, um, things like reviews, who, what, when, where, why, how questions. And um, for me, since I'm on the computer so much during the day, I, I generally know that before I get on my mobile device. Well, you're so, trying to suggest people do, do banking on their mobile devices? Uh, they do. Actually, search is one of the lower – finding information is one of the lower things they do. Primarily, if you're an email marketer, email. <laughs> email is the number one thing people do, 90% of people do. Email, texting. Um, Yo, two, directions are the third. And then everything else follows underneath. But um, information, and which falls under search, was uh, less than 8% of the pie. And that was two years ago, the last time they gave, did a real study, but, or a year and a half ago. But um, it's grown a lot, but it's still growing in the same verticals. And, it's, and e-commerce is not, has a lot more searches, but it's not getting a piece of the pie in dollars and only 13% of revenues for e-commerce. So most people are showrooming using it for, um, you know, comparisons more than they are using it for purchasing. And millennials don't like like to shop on um, mobile. Well, indeed. I, 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 I think there are extra security risks with mobile that you can easily mitigate on your desktop. It's a little harder to on mobile. Um, or at least um, it's easier to see what you're doing on the desktop than it is on the mobile device. Typing your credit card, carrying your credit card information on your mobile device, that scares me. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, and on that scary note, it's 20 minutes after the hour. It's a really good time to take a break for a commercial. Uh, the next topic we're going to be talking about when we come back from break, um, Google's definition of doorway pages, that's going to take more than a few minutes. So, good time to take a break here on Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Christine Schackinger. It's uh, the 14th of May, 2015. Stay tuned. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. 
Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 14th of May, 2015, and uh, I got a culpa. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm totally embarrassed by this. You know that lead story, 51% of Americans please storms affect cloud computing? That came up in Facebook, and I've seen it all over the place today. I've seen this story four or five times, and I broke one of my own cardinal rules, Christine. What's that? I didn't look at the date. I reported bogus information, and I got to take the mea culpa on this because, you know, that's what you got to do when you do it, right? The date of the story was September 5th, 2012. And I just got Facebooked. <laughs> I like how we're winning it, though. It I hate when that happens. Boy, I just feel like such a jerk. Well, it's a true story. It just it happened you know, a little bit longer ago. But I imagine if they ran the same survey today, the numbers wouldn't be dramatically different. Yes, but I would be just as embarrassed. Wow. <laughs> um. Okay, so this one is from today, from uh, this week. I swear to you, it's uh, from May 13th, 2015, in fact. Just to be clear on this. Well, I feel like such a goof, my goodness. Um, Christine, if I was to ask you what a doorway page was, what would you say? What's a doorway page? Um, a thin content page intended to rank for certain purposes and get people into a site. Okay. Now, that could be a landing page, too, right? Thing landing content. pages don't have a heck of a lot of content on it. They have a call to action. But, uh, you know, it tends to be thin content. You don't really plan to have this page up for a long time. Uh, well, it's not, not doorway pages can be up for a long time, but they're intended to rank on multiples. Like if I'm a um, lawyer and I want to pretend that I'm in every city in the United States, I might put up a landing page for each of those, which could, you know, had no real content on. The only thing that was different maybe was the city. You know, that could be construed as a doorway page. But a hotel would do, might do a similar thing, you know, to have a different, have a different skin come up for every city. Uh, hotels are exceptions from doorway pages. Okay. They were at least, they always have been as far back as 2004. Um, okay. Because there are legitimate reasons for them to to need those kind of landing pages. That being said, they probably are not identical. Um, I could also suggest real estate agents would do this, and um, uh, 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 
taxi firms might do this, etc. Right? You know, anywhere that has a, a restaurant, a chain restaurants, etc. And the reason that the reason I I, I threw um, the travel one in there is because you're right. There's an exception to the rule for travel because, for obvious reasons. But I threw that in because there's a great deal of confusion about what a doorway page really is and what it is not. Right. Right. Um. And I gotta be I I, I gotta be honest. Um, I'm I have a, some very strict interpretations of what is good SEO and bad SEO. Um, so I was quite surprised to find that Google is a lot more relaxed on, um, on doorway pages than I, than I thought they would be. It's hard to say because (laughs) in the past we could ask like Matt for clarification, which generally if you knew how to listen to Matt was a fairly accurate answer, but um, although they have relaxed some, I do believe that's probably true. Uh, John's answers are often his interpretation, not Google's statement. And um, there's an example um, that I read. I forget where it was. I think it's Search Engine Journal maybe uh, of what John said would would be okay. And yet if you look at the official definition from Google on doorway sites, it, they would not be. So that's that's hard to say where that line really falls, I think. Okay, well, 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 Google says that doorways are sites or pages created to rank highly for specific search queries. They are bad for users because they can lead to multiple similar pages in user search results, where each result end, ends up taking the user essentially to the same destination. They can lead users to intermediate pages that are not as useful as the final destination. That's, uh, that, that's what Google says. Right, and then they, they um, list that their examples are like multiple domain names or tar- pages targeted at specific regions or cities that funnel users to one page, um, pages generated to funnel visitors into actual usable or relevant portion of your website, substan- and substantially similar pages that are closer to search results than a clearly defined browsable hierarchy. So the definition hasn't changed a whole lot. Maybe where they apply it has. Well, indeed. Apparently, there was a doorway page algorithm that nobody really noticed. <laughs> um, and think- that's what that's what that's what leads to you know this conversation. Like, um, anyway, so I, sometimes I find things that like quite confusing when there's multiple explanations out in the out in the ecosystem. Yeah, I miss um, having. Matt Cutt's explanation, to be honest. <laughs> well, as it sort of happened, somebody was trying to, uh, I guess, out out Hilton Hotels for having a landing page for each hotel off of the main Hilton website, um, as well as having a secondary domain, um, Hilton Toronto, Hilton Las Vegas, Hilton Los Angeles, etc., right? Right. Um, so... Eric Kahn from uh, Google's search quality team answered that what Hilton's doing aren't doorways because there's nothing deceptive or manipulative in them. Uh, He used an example of uh, a a page that had hundreds of pages in it, all with the same basic text and place names switched out on each page. Um, Like you might, like remember those old real estate uh, networks that would do that, 
they'd all be the exact same Remax page or uh, um, Century 21 page, but they'd have a different city name. Sure. Although the one thing that he failed to, to indicate in that response was Hilton would be, fall under the travel exception. So, yeah. Because travel does have to have microsites and destination pages because of what their industry is. So, um, I don't know. I, I, doorway pages, you know, you know them when you see them. I, I don't know that anybody really got hit because nobody really uses them anymore very regularly. So it's hard to, to say exactly where that line, I think, falls for them. But I do think they relaxed where they applied. I think it was applied much more broadly in the past. Well, again, um, my question is, to what and to whom are we going to see a rise of uh, Lawyer Albuquerque, Lawyer Austin, Lawyer New York City pages for the same guy in Florida? Um, we do know somebody that did that at one point, and um, obviously I can't say who. But they did lose all those pages, and that was before the doorway update. So they did one in like every major city, little one-off little – they weren't subdomains, but they're little microsite doorway pages. And uh, they all got devalued. None of them have traffic anymore, and they can't regain their um, valuation. So I would say that it, it's, it's still – that kind of site is still going to get tanked for it. Okay. Speaking of um, Google algorithm updates that happened, but uh, no one really knows a lot about, what do you know about the Phantom update? You hear about this Phantom update that happened um, recently, and uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um, Glenn Gabby wrote a I hope I'm getting his last name right. <laughs> um, wrote a really good uh, in depth article on on that um, at G Squared Interactive. Mm -hmm. uh, he said it has like some panda components, but it's definitely not a panda. Uh, it's very related to it looks like content and bad user interaction. So like pop up ads. Um, poor navigation, thing content, clickbait articles, thing of that nature. So I'm not so sure anyone – yeah, I know That's the original real. Panda, is it not? Uh, yeah, actually it is kind of close to that. But it's also the same as the original Phantom uh, that came out in 2000. I believe it was 13. So uh, – Yeah, it was May 2013. Yeah, and just for anybody listening so they know, this started around April 29th, but we – our sites and – the others that Glenn looked at were all majorly affected on May 3rd, May 2nd and May 3rd. So uh, if you have a severe drop-off uh, around May 3rd or you have a severe – or not severe, but a great increase around those dates, um, greater than like 20 percent, um, we're looking at like 60, 70 percent, then that's really likely that it's related to that. And um, hub pages actually lost something like 60 percent, I believe it is, of okay. theirs. During that now, update, that's, they're publishers, okay? Yeah. So I mean, like they're 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 they're, they're large large publishers. They're large scale publishers. We're all publishers, but they're large scale publishers. One of the uh, one of the sites I know you work on is a large scale publisher. Did they see an effect? Not that I've seen. Not either way. So that's why. Um, and we have a couple of sites that have panda issues, and I didn't see any of them go up. So okay. that's why I think Glenn's right is not a panda update. I did see a site that has tremendous usability issues. 
um, take a, a hit, and it already has a hit from Panda. Um, but it, it, it has real user issues. It has faceted navigation and, um, you know, thin content and a lot of um, very difficult interactions to get to where you're going. So I do think it, it's possibly maybe a combination of the two, like bad usability and bad um, content, thin content and other issues if you look at what Glenn's looked at. Well, I mean, the, the site you described is the kind of site that ought to get slapped. You know, it gets bad, bad information, bad, uh, or not necessarily bad information, but thin information, yeah. bad user experience, hard to navigate around. I, of course, it's going to get slapped, slapped about, eh? Yeah, well, it's been slapped a couple of times. Uh, I, I, in fact, in, in auditing, auditing that site, um, I basically had to tell them they needed to redo it because just trying to use the site was so difficult. But uh, I think in Glenn's um, analysis, um, I don't know that he ties the two together, but it really does look like it's the combination of the both. Does the spider have trouble with your site? And does it have poor content or thin content? So. Well, and again, I, I, think, I think you and I might even be talking about this last week, Christine, where we were saying, like, beware of, you know, Panda and uh, Penguin Factors. Beware that the, you know, mobile algorithm is out there and, you know, dramatically affecting searches done on mobile devices. But remember that these are, you know, only three meta factors that have, you know, several factors within them out of hundreds, perhaps thousands of other meta factors <laughs> exactly. that could be affecting your website. Um, usability and navigation is certainly most part of, uh, uh, most certainly part of Panda, but those were ranking factors long before Panda. Yeah, I think we forget that the main algorithm has a lot of the same ranking factors. Well, yeah. Um, it just doesn't penalize the way that a panda or a penguin does. So nope. um, and all the penguin uh, factors are also manual, potential manual actions. So uh, if you're only focused on panda and penguin, you might be missing out majorly on the other factors that are also wrapped into the algorithm. You don't just look at links in Penguin. It's also in manual and it's also in the, the regular algorithm. It's just handled differently as far as what happens if you've done something wrong. And you know what that means? Not only are you, uh, might you be missing the real reason why your pages are um, not performing as well as you'd want them to, you're also probably missing opportunities to make them, to make them perform a lot better. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you're, you're not looking for the right stuff. Exactly. I can tell you in every audit that we've done, I've been told by the the people that have the site what they think their penalty is, because um, we do a lot of recovery audits, and no one's ever been correct. So, they, not that they haven't been correct, maybe that they have the one, although they're usually not correct about that, but um, other SEOs might give us something, and they are correct about the one, but there's often other ones that have occurred before that, or after, that they're unaware of because they're focusing just on the one time that they notice the major drop. And then once a site gets it severely, um, they can be hit by further algorithms, but they're so low, it's often hard to tell. Well, indeed. But it, you, you remember the days when, like, uh, losing maybe 1% or 2% of traffic was panic-worthy? Yeah. <laughs> not, so much, not so much anymore. You're like, oh, wow, thank God we didn't lose 20%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but 
losing one or two percent, say day over day, you lose one or two percent. Five days that adds up. And you know, if you're looking for the wrong factors, well, yeah, or you've forgotten the the good old basic essentials that. Two to three percent per day could become like you know twenty seven percent after a couple of weeks fast. Exactly, and sometimes the downward slope is because the people that were linking to you got hit. So if you're in certain verticals, so you know, and that's a that's a Davism. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he always reminds clients to look at that that maybe you didn't get hit by Phantom or Penguin or Panda, but suddenly you start this one to two percent, three percent downward decline that you can't seem to recover from. And often it can be just because your competitors that link to you lost their value. Not your competitors, but the people that link to you. Everything is connected in the Googleverse. And I'm pretty sure when we get off the air, you and I are going to continue our argument about how deeply things are connected in the Googleverse. (laughs) They're not connected there. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't see how they can't be. <laughs> but moving on, we don't. We uh, actually we might even have that argument in the last part of the uh, the show. But um, uh, just, just just a quickie here. Um, you remember the uh, EU? Remember how about a year ago the EU um, passed legislation that forced Google to scrub search results under certain conditions under what was called the right to be forgotten. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was. It sounded very like a very panicky thing at the time. Well, I mean, it's still a fairly significant thing. But after a year, um, we've now, you know, we've now Google is reporting that they received just over two hundred and fifty-four thousand removal requests across Europe, of which they've only complied with thirty percent, seventy percent of the requests have been refused. Which which is a good thing. I thought it definitely would be higher than that. So, Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, there's a advisory board that, you know, I guess advises Google about what should and shouldn't be removed, but it's Google who makes the decision. You know? Right. Um, Google's deciding what, uh, what should and should not be up on the board, and it looks as if um, it looks as if they're ignoring things like invasion of privacy. But they might they might remove things that are like defamation or insult if they can be proven. Actually, I find that very interesting. There was this big panic, but as it turns out, most of the requests are being rejected. Yeah, which is a good thing because I mean, it did sound like something could be highly abused. Mm-hmm. So at least it's it's something that's being taken very seriously. And philosophically, what Google does itself by just hoovering and making available all electronic information and the fact that that electronic information is so amazingly available, that too is kind of invasive, eh? Which part is? Well, I mean, Google just operating the way Google operates it's a robot. It doesn't care. Um, it just takes information and makes it publicly available. It doesn't right. really care the context or the application of that information. I mean, unless, of course, it's it's keyed to not distribute, say, kiddie porn. Right. Google cares about that. A but little bit. I mean, Google <laughs> is, is data neutral, right? It doesn't care one way or the other about any piece of legal data. 
Which is how they get around monopoly laws and things like that. Well, and, and, and which is, I guess, how they should operate. <laughs> but there's a philosophical weirdness in that they're able to take all this information, including information about you that, you know, people used to have to work to get at. Um, you know, people could find out exactly where you live by doing effective Google searches. True. It didn't used to be like that. But now it is like that, and we just accept it. So philosophically, there's something weird about suddenly all that information is open and no longer private. Just as philosophically there's something weird about somebody removing stuff from that big information dump. It's weird how that balances in the uh, 25 years of the commercial web. Yeah, it, it is, and um, because it is something we rely on, and it doesn't—it's not applied equally to all people. That um, you know, you can get your information removed. Uh, I, ha I haven't reviewed what they're actually removing. If it's malicious, you know, that's one thing. If they're just removing things because people are embarrassed, that would be another. Well, again, it seems to be more towards uh, you know legal legal issues, uh, stuff that is patently wrong about somebody. That's defamation. Um, and remember that the in the United States, the First Amendment applies, but in the rest of the world, there's different relationships with the right to say stuff about others. Um, okay, on that, we're getting flashed by a... We're getting flashed by control room. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like seeing Tim Ashton as Speedo. Oh, my God. Um, we got to take a break here on uh, Omopcology. It's time to go to commercial. Uh, it is the 14th of May, 2015. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of Christine Schackinger, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We're going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end -end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your solution for the web. Frogontop.com. 
commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 14th of May, 2015. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and Dave's not here, man. Uh, instead, <laughs> we have Christine Schackinger who's jumped in. Christine, I have introduced you, like, about six and seven times in the last two weeks and not said your company name because I have a forgottery that's a mile wide. <laughs> well, no, I know under two things, the vetters and sites without walls. So, oh, and then, I, and I work with Dave on our project. So, Oh, I was going to say sites without walls and I thought you'd stopped using that name and I just got so confused. You need a scorecard to keep up. So I just think it's so confused. <laughs> One is just for me separately. One is for when I work with Dave. So, Okay. Well, there you go. Okay, what <laughs> else do we have on the agenda? I know we had other stuff to talk about. Just can't find it. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well, Facebook trapping. Uh, That's it. Reports. Yeah. What do you think about that, Facebook and uh, publishers? You know, I'd really like to see it to see what benefit they must might think they're getting. I don't think any time you take people off your site is a benefit for the for the company and and the companies are working with are large large publishers who you know get tens of millions of visits from Facebook already so I don't really know what the benefit is and originally it was supposed to be a revenue split but they're getting 100% revenue for now that I'm sure will change um the publishers are and um you know they're saying they're not pushing the articles higher in the algorithm again for now that will probably change uh if Google can I mean if Facebook can make money they'll make money uh, so I don't, I don't know really what the benefit to a publisher is. It takes them out of their website. Uh, it will lower unless they're cross tracking, like the with the web, and counting as part of the website visit, which I I don't think so. I haven't seen that mentioned, but it could be. Um, I think publishers, CMOs, CEOs, CTOs, when they see that drop on their page of millions of visits on their site, and they can't sell advertisers that visit traffic, um, they'll pull out of it. I, I just don't see it being sustainable unless somehow those metrics look like they're visiting the site. So why would publishers go for this in the first place? Uh, Facebook is promising a faster, better experience where there's some features that they can use, um, you know, where they can highlight things, make the photos better, things like that. I just, uh, it's hard to say if you're already getting, let's say 60 million visitors a month from Facebook because you're a major publisher. How many more visits are you going to get from Facebook just because now you have some new features and a, and a quicker article? It's not like I know those which your articles are in that special program and which articles are just going to go to a browser. So am I not going to read a story because it's in you know going to a browser? No. If I'm interested in a story, I mean, it reads the story. So well, Indeed. I, I, I'm a subscriber to the New York Times. Um, I was a subscriber to the Toronto Star until they removed the paywall. No longer subscribing because I don't got to. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I get content from the Wall Street Journal. I get content from, from, you know, from a number of different locations. And I still find that the majority of content I access, I'm finding in Facebook. You know, I'm, uh, 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 I come across it in my Facebook news feed. And even though I got the subscription to the New York Times, I still click on cause somebody who, you know, I'm, I've, got, I've got thousands of friends on Facebook. And they're all pretty smart. So they read stuff that I'm interested in as well. Yeah. 
And they put it up on Facebook. And, you know, I'm one of those, you know, X number of millions of people that the New York Times is going to draw from visits from Facebook. I'm getting the content anyway. I'm getting to it from Facebook. So why would they? I just can't wrap my head around why they would repurpose the content into the Facebook environment when we're already being shunted there from Facebook. I see this working for Facebook. Yeah, I see this only as beneficial to Facebook in the long run. I think um, they took away the rev share split because publishers said, are you kidding me? Why would <laughs> I have to? Because it's, it's intent, right? If the same, it was the same thing available through all the publishers, sure, I would probably pick the faster, better experience. But if I'm looking for, through like what you shared on, um, let's say you shared that article about Google and the executive bench. Am I not going to read it because I have to open a browser in my mobile phone with one click? No, I'm not. Now I'm going to wait for the story to fly through my algorithm again. I have no control over when I see those stories. So then I'd have to go do a Google search, which would take me completely out of Facebook. I also think it's very bad for publishers because all that extra stuff you put in, like related stories and um, other you know, conversations, comments on mobile are difficult. Are they going to handle them in Facebook outside of, you know, are you going to have to use the Facebook only comment section? And if that's the case, then you're talking about affecting your rankings of that page. Because unless that's transferring to your website and that's all in the Facebook algorithm, you're going to lose that information. So, you know, you're going to lose that support of the comment section or so the question. And what about linking to it? So these are things we don't have answers to yet. But to me, whenever you take someone out of your website your it's a recipe for um downturns and and i just don't see that this in the end is going to be positive for publishers fortunately right now they can get out of it but and this is where i get most confused of all okay yeah somebody at facebook had to be sitting down with a you know keyboard in front of them typing out really good ideas that they could like pitch to publishers these are supposed to be really smart people, right? Yeah. So how do they come up with this idea? Well, Facebook's come up with a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> well, not about th- that's true. <laughs> Over time. Um, I think it's not the idea. I get the idea. It benefits Facebook tremendously, right? We well, get you indeed. in. Eventually, we get part of your rev share. We lock you into getting that traffic. You'll be afraid to leave us. It's the drug dealer model, right? Yeah, but so, no one's going to go for it. Well, they will for free right now because they get those extra features to feature stuff. And most CMOs and CEOs aren't that close to their product and marketing lines that they understand the true effects. But And they're the ones who will be signing that dotted line, right? Especially if you're talking about moving traffic on a site that gets hundreds of millions of visitors. But when you actually look at it, there's almost no benefit for publishers unless there's stuff that I have not seen written about. I have not seen anything written about this change that seems hugely beneficial if they have to start giving over any rev share. Because the minute over rev share, they've lost any benefit. You know how it is, Christine. Um, This is going to be very beneficial for for Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg does need a new house now that he's totally um, subsumed the foundation of that uh, uh, mansion he has in in, in San Francisco. He was building this (laughs) man cave big enough to slaughter buffalo in. What? Well, you know how he, he, he won't eat meat unless he's <laughs> killed it himself, and he's got this taste for buffalo meat now? No, I didn't. He's a big man cave, and because of that, that's subsumed the foundation of like his and several other mansions along the street that he lives on. <laughs> okay, I made all of that up. 
I okay. totally, totally made that up. That was like uh, the Matt Cutts version of what happened to uh, <laughs> to Mark's house. I was going to have a lot of Googling to do after the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One, uh, two last quickies, okay? Sure. Have you ever, and tell me you haven't, come on, have you ever wanted to know where that IP address is located geographically? For who? No, it doesn't matter. I mean, come on. Think of how much fun you can have. You can be on the phone with somebody and, you know, um, get their IP off them and tell them where they live. Wouldn't that be fun? Sure. I'm an SEO. I can generally get the IP addresses, but the locations aren't usually mapped well. If so, you know how to use PowerShell. Yes. There's an article over at Petri.com written by, uh, by Jeff Hicks. It was published yesterday. PowerShell Problem Solver, where is that IP? Ah, interesting. That's a, It's just a fun one. I Can't, recommend people read it because, honestly, who doesn't want to know how to do that? Yeah, but you know what? It's not just a fun one. It's a security thing. Because if I can locate your IP and I can locate your actual location through that IP, there's a lot that can be done with that. <laughs> yep. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. I hear hackers going, moo-ha-ha-ha. Anyway. Um, help a bunch of SEOs out here, friends. Uh, Sir Danny over at Sir Danny Sullivan over at Search Engine Land has a SEO success factor survey that was published uh, earlier today. Um, this is it. You know, take you maybe ten, fifteen minutes to uh, to complete. And this is uh, how we um, teach each other. We share. So uh, you know, over at Search Engine Land. Uh, it's the uh, the title reads, please take the Search Engine Land's SEO Success Factor Survey. It'll help them make a new periodic table of SEO success factors. You know how much we love periodic tables around here. Take the survey. Help, help your entire industry out. The more we inform each other, the better service we can provide our clients. Yeah? Yay! Yay! I use I use that chart often, actually. Whenever I do a audit, and uh, it's included, and and whenever I uh, train people, because it looks cool, right? It looks cool, and it helps people understand at a grasp how complicated it really is. Indeed, and we can hear the music in the background. So, Christine, thank you so much for joining us for another hour here on Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm, friends. It is the fourteenth of May, twenty fifteen. Webcology and Webmaster Radio.fm. On behalf of Christine Shackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Petra from Digital Always Media. Stay tuned. Great content coming up on Webmaster Radio after the news. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.